What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains themes and language of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello and welcome very and thank you very much. Welcome and thank you very much for tuning in to episode 10 of season 3 of the Busted Bastards podcast. I am joined by the chief of controversy. It's the coach. Good evening. Sadly, the doctor can't be with us. We have a lot to get through this week. We'll have a look back over the sporting week that's been. And then we have a series of debates to get through. One that was sent in from the doc. One from the coach. And finally, the fan vote with debate um, via our socials. But firstly, how are you, coach? All good. I suppose as we're kicking off, I'd just like to say a big, um, you know, hang on in there to... To all the listeners that are stuck on the Suez Canal um, this week, I know it's a tough commute at the best of times, but uh, hopefully, look, lads, just stick on in there. Um, please, God, you'll be dredged out now in a couple of days. So, big shout out to them. <laughs> um, it shows the ingenuity of the internet. There is a, currently a website called isthishipstillstuck.com. Um, and the f- obviously it says yes, but it, it calculates how long it's been stuck and how much money nice it's cost so far and it's it's crazy crazy billions already so it'll be trillions i'd imagine before Love get that. that out. yeah now in terms of the weekend um another lackluster yeah compared to what we've grown accustomed to um i suppose but and catch your eye in particular oh look i suppose we'll get into it in a few minutes a bit the obvious ones but uh we had formerly one kickback off this weekend in bahrain uh so any any Listeners that probably, like myself, don't have a major interest in it, but I suppose if you might watch a couple of episodes of Drive to Survive on uh, Netflix, it's a great watch. Not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be a fan or anything. It's a lot of background stuff and really, really enjoyable. So you might watch the the first lap and the last two or three laps. It's one of them type of things when you're not overly committed to a sport, I suppose. Just on that, Doc, that like they do reckon that has brought an awful lot of fans into. Hmm the sport of Formula 1 so it, it does show you the likes of your Last Chance You your these Netflix documentaries that especially when everyone's stuck behind, at yeah. home they can really drive new fan engagement into a sport yeah I think they've, um, they've tied that one in really well because they released it maybe two weeks ago now or three two or three weeks ago now so mm. it ties in perfectly with the start of the season so they, they've planned that one really really well and it's kind of what they tried with The Last Dance. I suppose everyone would have watched that. Mm. And initially, the air dates that had been set, obviously COVID interrupted it, but it was due to tie in with the NBA Finals. So the last episode was supposed to air the first night of the NBA Finals. So you know, you're starting to see leagues get, uh, like sports getting a bit more strategic with their marketing and using all the tools that, at their, their, that are available to them. But I suppose... Wales are Six Nations champions. A hell of a game Friday night, to be fair, yep. to the Scots. First game in Paris since 1999, I think. Um, Batshit crazy Six Nations, I think, is, is the only fair explanation. Yeah, look, we, 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 looked for, we looked for a lot of them. I think we got what we, what we wanted and what we deserved after sitting in over the last 12 months and mm. what was the last Six Nations. Um, yeah, incredible stuff, I suppose. We'll talk a little bit about that later as well, won't we? Or yeah, the other one um, actually 
I know we briefly mentioned last weekend, but Watch LOI obviously kicked off. And for those neutrals or people that may not have it, it's I know we're only a week, two weeks in now, but building up to be an incredible season and that a lot of the the table toppers of the top four or five teams all didn't get wins in the first weekend. So you've got Finn Harp sitting pretty on top with six points. So, you know, if they can say there, they could be in the Champions League. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Funny one, though, that yeah. I, I've picked out from that this weekend and that briefly touching it. Shamrock Rovers, for example, um, and Derry City didn't have a game this weekend because of international duties. So both teams had one player um, in international teams. Um However, Dundalk did have to play and had two players, one playing for oh, the Faroe Islands and another playing for Latvia, I believe. So it would be great if we had a listener that could explain the whole breakdown of international um, call-ups and how games get called off. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny one. Very strange, very strange. And you'd imagine in the, the lower leagues in England, which go ahead, you probably have more international yeah. players yeah. away, no? I, I'd imagine so, especially the smaller nations. It's a strange one. Yeah, the one, the one uh, actually player at Shamrock Rovers, Roberto... Pico Lopez plays for Cape Verde, um, who actually beat Cameroon three one this weekend, which is a massive result when you when you consider. Yeah. Although I haven't talked about, look, I'll leave it there because when we talk about our own <laughs> results, we, we can't really say much in terms of minnows. Yeah, look, I, I suppose we get to that. There's one thing I just I do want to touch upon prior to that is the Pro 14 final was on. Yes, I don't know if you managed to watch it. Yeah. The Munster. Yeah. Very poor game mm. of rugby. Probably the worst marketed final, I'd say, ever. It's really strange as well that the Pro 14 had other fixtures going on this weekend, <laughs> even fixtures on today to kind of catch up with games lost of COVID. A bit of a mess, if we're being honest. And obviously, because Ireland were playing in the Aviva, that game was played in the RDS. Leinster had, the, I think, the as being the top seed, had the choice of where to play the game, and Aviva was obviously unplayable to them. Not that it matters with no fans, but it's. I just thought. This is the culmination of your series, and it seems as if the focus has shifted now to this Rainbow Nations Cup, which is coming in April or whatever it's called, with the South African sides. Um, you wonder how that's going to fare now that we we did get confirmation early in the week that the Lions Tour will go ahead in South Africa, fans or no fans. Yeah, it was a question I was meant to ask you that Rainbow Cup. Like, how is that working in terms of the season? So obviously. We've just finished our Pro 14, and as you said, we're going to go into a Lions tour, and we're going to go into summer internationals for various countries and autumn internationals. Well, so, how is this autumn? Is this fitting into what would have been a dead part of the season, or is it slotting kind into? Kind of, but but you're you're also returning to your, I mean, oh your Champions Cup and your your Challenge Cup quarterfinals, semi-finals, finals. Mm. It's it's bizarre. It's so is the Pro 14 I, 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 shorter than it usually has been because of the conferencing? Because there's no South African sites. Ah, yes, okay. So how long is the Autumn Cup... Autumn, sorry, not the Autumn. How long is this um, Rainbow Cup going to run for? I'm not 100% too sure. Kind of when, it, when the news dropped, it kind of irked me. Um, <laughs> I stopped paying attention to it because I think it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. Okay. I don't get the premise... I don't know why. Like you look at how they've shortened, how they've finished the season. I think they could have made more of the playoff aspect of the Pro Fourteen, if that makes sense. They could have had a semi-final weekend and then a final weekend, and they could have got some really good fixtures. And yeah, look, I, I don't really agree with the English Premiership still going on. The top fourteen is still going on. So what was the rush to finish this to, to fix in the South African nations? I don't know. Obviously, money will be at the end of it, but. It's a really strange decision. It's not something I'm, I'm 
overly on board with. And yourself this weekend, the... Sass, you must have had some interesting watching on the other side of the. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell equation. you an interesting one got me kind of thinking, and we we'll go through this just quickly before we get to the fixture we seem to be avoiding talking about, um, for obvious reasons, but. A lot of you are maybe aware I'm a massive NRL fan. On my side, the Canberra Raiders actually lost in the weekend. They lost to New Zealand Warriors. Incredible game. If anyone gets a chance to go back and watch it, the final score was 31-34 in favour of the Warriors. The Raiders had led 31-10 at some stage. But I'll not get too much into it. But I have a soundbite from the coach, Ricky Stewart, who was interviewed after the game. And it kind of got me thinking. So I'll just play it for you now, and then I'll kind of get to my question. On Ali, uh... I come in here because it's my job. Um, I respect the fact that you've got a job. And I've got 20,000 hanging over my head. So if I don't turn, in here, turn up in here tonight, I get fined. If all the fine money was going to the Ricky Stewart Foundation, I'd tell you the truth today. Because then I get fined and I know the money's going to the best best cause I know of. I can't tell you the truth. I can't tell you the, the, the way that game panned out because I get fined. So. Uh, I'm not going to answer any questions. I've done my job. Thanks. So, I suppose what I got me thinking about is this whole rule that seems to exist in all sports is that if you speak out against the referee, you're fined. Is it outdated? Like, like at what point? Like, the the call in particular is a forward pass call, and El Party Mahomes couldn't throw it as far forward if he tried. It was kind of like it was a massive like mistake from the referee to to not call it to not see it. Obviously, as well, a video ref can't rule on a forward pass, so didn't have that option available. And it was stonewall. Obviously, the commentators were even outraged as neutral commentators as such. I suppose, but I suppose, is this finding of speaking ill of the referee is it outdated? Should we just embrace honest post match analysis from players and coaches? I think. You look at some of them lately, I think players and coaches have been very raw and very open on their own inside the change rooms. Lately, have been a lot more so. Like, we look at Seamus Coleman last night, and I will touch on that in a little while, but it's, and, and Seamus Coleman, I suppose, at Everton, when he came out and says, you know, it's not good enough, this, that, with the change room, but they're very. And you, I can understand it, like, they, they are going to get fined, but we, we can't have. If. It depends how you look at it. If 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 you look at it as an entertainment culture and an entertainment, then we shouldn't be finding them. But if it is so solely about you know sportsmanship and things like that, I can understand it. But I think it's correct me if I'm wrong. But as you go to the states, it's less so. Like you can kind of talk about the officials and get away with it because mm. it's an entertainment mm. sport and they know that and they thrive uh, off yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean that's although it's 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 a great. Uh, product. That's what the NFL was marketed mm. for. It it was put on Sundays at a family time with loads of stoppages to force additional advertisements to be shown to families at a family neutral time straight after um, the Great Recession in America in the 40s. Um, or the 20s, maybe. I can't remember. But that, that was the purpose of the NFL and, and how it rose so popular in America because of the time they put it on and the push and that's why there's so many stoppages in the game it's, it's actually rule changes to incorporate advertisements so yeah I, I think if every time there's a there's a poor decision if, if if a coach can honestly turn around and give an honest opinion 
if it's absolutely ludicrous, he's going to be slated by the press mm. and neutral fans and and definitely the opposing fans anyway. So why are we finding them? Is it to stop them speaking ill of the referee? But yet we'll pay Jamie Carragher and we'll pay Gary Neville ludicrous sums of <laughs> to money to critique, to critique managers, players and referees. So I just don't get the premise anymore of finding a coach or player speaking out against the referee when there's so much coverage outside that's going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, like I would much prefer to see Mourinho go wild about a referee on the weekend than anything else. Than anything like half the games you watch now are absolute malaise anyway. So if mm. there's a controversial decision, why not make the most of it and and build up? Because then you're going to watch it one to watch next week as opposed to Mourinho or whoever coming out saying, "Look, can't talk about it." Um, I like that about about Australia, New Zealand, and all that. They're kind of ruthless in their in the way they got. Like he he's got up and he's walked out because you have to tick a box mm. by being there and answer a question. I don't know what the what the uh, you know the blacks and the whites of it are but um, he obviously has to stay yeah, for look, a certain amount of time or something and look a, a 20k fine for a, an NRL coach versus mm. a Mourinho is, is, is worlds apart yeah. um, and look he has a reputation as a bit of a hothead he's kind of just one of these figures that wears his heart in its sleeve so but that like that's good television and I don't know like is, is it going to get to the stage where like I could see a TV company coming down the line and saying, "Look, we'll renew the bill with you." Um, this guy coming in and saying, "We'll renew the bill with you, um, Premier League, whatever." And um, we know you did tough, tough year last year. And we'll, we won't look at that money back. But what we do want is you want to scrap fines. We want to make the, the post-match press conference more entertaining. We want to retain viewership during that, and we want to sell more advertisements. Like maybe so you can almost see that that coming. Yeah, like, but maybe managers need a. You know, there you have the ability to say it, but you have to say something beforehand to say, you know, this is my kind of, I'm I'm willing to take a hit here. I could be wrong, type of thing. But we did talk very er- it's, it's, very early. It's almost like, huh? it's almost like the, the Twitter bio. Uh, please no thoughts yeah. on my own, not yeah. not of my employer. The, uh, <laughs> the employer. It comes back to something I think we spoke earlier on this season and possibly late in last season was that it was about the referees' decisions in. in well predominantly in Premier League football but in football in general we talked about them having to be mic'd up and things like that I I can't remember the decision it was but we did mention like should referees be allowed or have to should referees have to talk to the media after games Um, we briefly spoke about that like I'm not a fan of saying you know they should have to like they don't have to you know they don't have to explain their decisions to us after a game however I think they should for clarity you wear mics the exact same as rugby or if you see the A-League in Australia they wear mics um, yeah or even I, I can recall now it's like 2002 2003 and the referee's name explains me he used to have ginger hair it was kind of a, a wider build um, he definitely I can definitely remember him coming in he like interrupted the post-match interviews you know to give out man a match yeah, in the tunnel yeah. or whatever he, he post match and he goes, look, I've actually made a terrible call there. All I can do is throw my hands up. That was the wrong decision, and I don't know what it was—a penalty or um, whatever, whatever the call was. It influenced the result. And Evan Braze, remember, was like, "Yeah, look, that's fine. Like he's a human. He, he, do you know what I mean?" And and that kind of, I think, it stops the aggression and it stops the. But you it makes referees the- more human. 
you look across the entertainment sports, and let's be honest, Premier League is becoming, and football, La Liga, whatever, is becoming an mm. entertainment sport, whether we like it or not. There's that much money involved. That has well, to that's be. Why it's on su- that's why it's on Sunday at 8 Exactly. So, when you look across the board at NFL, the referee, you'll hear the referee's decisions. Rugby, we hear them already, you know that. Um, NBA, they go on their decision, they go to the board and they're reviewing the decision and they explain why. Um, mm. Yeah, so, look, I think it has to come both ways. That decision that you're talking about, I know, I've, I've seen in the Ford Pass, I know it's a little bit different because the rules in rugby, but there has to be two-way communication of some sort. I'm not saying that every stoppage in play, but you know, if 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 they see that on the sideline, which they did at the time, do you have one challenge? If you get your challenge right, you get the challenge back type of stuff. Like, can they challenge that? There is, there is a there is a captain's challenge in the NRL. You've one challenge unless you get it right, then you get to retain it. But again, you can't rule on a forward pass because it's camera angles, and camera angles can be deceiving can paint different pictures whatever but anyway um let's stop avoiding <laughs> the topic the elephant in um, the room yeah which, which elephant do you want to talk about first there's two in my head so we've got okay. the pro how bad the pro 14 final was oh i i we've addressed that it's not worth anymore oh, if they're yeah. not going to market it why are we marketing it for them yeah. Um, on that, are you disappointed by Munster? Did you, did you expect a lot more of them? I yeah, but I was disappointed in both sides. I thought it was a poor game. Like given how poor Munster were, I would have expected Leinster to tear them shreds. Um, yeah. I just thought it was a very poor game from both sides, and ultimately just a, a bit more. Talent, I suppose, from Leinster probably won it on the day as opposed to a great coaching plan, great execution. Both teams were lackluster. And it's probably, it's the weekend after playing, finishing Six Nations. It kind of, it wasn't built as a big game. Yeah. Like, that could, if you showed me that game and I, I was a casual rugby fan, i just say, oh, it was just the league game between Munster and Leinster and should have just didn't really want to play because... The, after Six Nations they retired or whatever like, I can imagine that but if, like to, to to attribute that performance to the final yeah. was very poor and you, before we move on from it just the last thing who won the Burn Carbo shootout for you? Uh, probably Burn to be fair but it was a crap off yeah. to be honest um, they basically went to Thunderland and just yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, look, right, let's let's get get this over and done with. <laughs> let's yeah, rip so, the band-aid. So pull, yeah, so pull off a band-aid. Um, yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. Am I the biggest association football fan in the world? No. Have I the most tactical and astute understanding of the game inside out? No. But I do believe this is the lowest part of Irish footballing history. And I say that, and in my head I can see the Homer Simpson meme. This is the lowest part so far. <laughs> uh, in my mind, it's been a bit of a rot in Irish football for the last number of years, and it's it's bearing fruit. We're not producing the footballers. You could slate Kenny from pillar to post um, from next week to, to to the next month, but I just don't think we've the players. See this, the it's, players. You can. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm not having that argument. With, with anyone I've seen people on Twitter going like oh we don't have the player I'm not having that we have players right like we've an extremely squad 20 an extremely strong 21 squad um, and I'm not by any means saying oh the 21 should have been up playing but it's not like we don't have 
a bag of waste. Do you know what I mean? We were playing Luxembourg, who a few years ago were bankers, bin men, and teachers that we were playing against. If you were, if you would have played against them, like it's just the players that are on the pitch are professional footballers paid. Like, I suppose my 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 comment was more on the whole mm. as opposed to just last night. Um, yeah, I think I think Kenny is out of his depth. I think that's fair enough to say. I think coming out after the game and saying comments like it was an excellent display against Serbia and smiling shows a lack of understanding of the gravity of the situation and the fact that we're terrible. We are absolutely terrible. I dread watching my country play football and that is not something I'm comfortable saying. Yeah, um... First of all, apologies last week to the listeners and yourself. I misread the permutations of the group that we mm. would get points for a Qatar win. That That is obviously wrong. So given that, I rescind my comments last week. So saying that if we... I I, I think I had said six or seven points. Uh, for me, that should have been four points in the bag. Signed, sealed, delivered. And anything less, pff, there should be questions. Now, I know we got zero. That's you know we that's okay well it's not okay but uh, I'll continue um, we got zero points I'm not saying sack Kenny I do I think there's an element of he's out his depth I really really do but we're in it now um, I don't think we sack him but I do think we have to ask serious questions like there was an EGM today as well and they came out kind of backing uh, Stephen Kenny so look it, it would seem that we're in it for for the disqualification series anyway unless it goes serious as you said can it maybe it can go lower I, 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 a lot of people similar to Luxembourg what happens if you lose the guitar I know it's a friendly but what happens if you lose the guitar well here's one for you what, what do you put out against Qatar do you put out a team that you know uh, a strong experienced team that is going to win or do you put out a team of development younger players that you know, you're just looking to work on things. Now it's a, now it's a, a very awkward fixture. Yeah, and I think and they're not the worst side, by the way. They've after beat they've beaten. That's the, that's the other thing I was going to say. Qatar, Qatar are a great, great country, athletically speaking, <laughs> and it's it's not a natives that represent them on the athletics field. So I wonder how many homegrown talents they'll have playing for Qatar. Put it that way. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just think it's all well and good wanting to change the culture and change the style of football, but it's international football. You have them for two, three weeks at a time. It's nigh on impossible. You have to pick the squad and then pick the style of play, as opposed to this is the style of play I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick these players. As in square pegs, round holes, type of thing. Type thing. Yeah. So um, the thing, like. We we've have this thing in Ireland where we, we we base everything we do and we have done for the last ten or twelve or maybe even fifteen years on the Dutch <laughs> and you know four three three and this is how we should play and 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 permutate different ways of playing four three three but to look that's a long it's a load of rubbish like yeah we okay fair enough if we can start playing you know underage all the way up four three three that's absolutely fantastic but ultimately the book stops with the senior manager and. We want to go on the pace in countries that are not our own. Um, so, therefore, 
The senior team is about getting results. With a credit union loan. Yeah, with a credit union loan. It's about getting results. You can try and you can play the way you want to play, which is great. We have, there's no doubt about it, the last six, seven games. We've played good football, but it hasn't got us results. So you go and do that in your friendlies. But you need to remember that you need to use your experienced players. You need to change the game plan, rip it up sometimes, and get your 1-0 in and get out of there. Um, like, that Serbia game. And I've, we played excellent for, what, 35 minutes there, thereabouts. We had our 1-0 up. Why are we not parking? We are Ireland. We're the Republic of Ireland. We're not we're not a possession dominating side we knew Mitrovic was going to come on why are we not parking the bus playing five at the back as opposed to our two wing backs just shut up shop that gets you results instead we keep it's very very frustrating we need to be looking more um, deeper at things like you look at Albania Stadium for example that they're playing England in today that is per. That's what they're the type of things we need to be looking at. Like the from the grassroots up and the underage up and changing structures and and things that have been stagnated and you know just rotting. They're just rotting away for years. We need to be basing ourselves on on countries like Denmark and things like that that are you know the municipal stadiums where it's clubs with you know basketball teams, handball teams. Their stadiums, the shopping center, as well as a stadium, as well as maybe a couple of offices. This, this, that's where we start and we move up. Um, you look at the you you sent me the world rankings uh, today. You look at the teams that are actually below us, but are hundred percent better teams. They've got Norway with Haaland. We've got Scotland with Iceland. a team of Premier League players. Iceland who have a lot of Premier League players. These countries are beating. You know they're much better than us. Why they're below us is beyond me. Um, the whole system is corrupt in terms of international. It's it's a disgrace. What do we do? What where do we go from here? To go and say. I've heard some people say, you know, well, we need to write this campaign off. You can't just write a campaign off. Like, what's the... So, if we go and lose our next two games in the next international break, what happens there? What do we do? Do we get rid of Stephen Kenny? Do we keep him because we're now developing? We know we're not going to qualify. Like... Now, and here, here's the here's the counter-argument. I'm, I'm not, like, I'm kind of on the fence with Kenny. Like, like, I do think he's out of his depth. The thing I'd argue is... There is a lot of there is not a lot. There's a few promising young Irish players there. Like but in reality, our best player on the pitch last night was a nineteen year old goalkeeper mm-hmm. on his international debut. Yeah. That sums it all up. I actually thought he was very unlucky for the for the goal, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, it could, Yeah, do 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 we keep Kenny for another two years? At which stage? Players don't want to play for Ireland. Like you look at like David McGoldrick. Why do you retire from international football? Yeah, well, they assume to focus on his club career. Or did he just does he just not want to be associated with the stink that is public Irish public of Ireland football at the minute? It's a funny one because McGoldrick, I think he is 33 32, 33. So even maybe maybe in the back of his mind, he knew he wouldn't qualify, possibly. So he's trying to elongate his club career. Mm. But for me. It comes back to a conversation we had about cycles and, for example, the rugby team with with Andy Farrell. Like, how do you? So Stephen Kenny is in a cycle at the moment, the World Cup cycle, which is okay. It's in front of us and it's the present. But if he works on these players that are now your your Gavin Bazunas, your Troy Parrots, your Jason Knights, um, ideally in four years' time they are going to be a great side because he did have great success with the twenty ones and qualification campaign and things like that. So. You know, is that something? Does he automatically qualify himself for another extension after the World Cup qualifiers because of that? Because those players probably aren't gonna 
mature and age until that campaign. And that's the problem. Yeah. I, I fear that we should have left Mick where he was for this World Cup campaign, let players like Shane Long, Seamus Coleman, Shane Duffy all come to an end with him. And then... Yeah, that that, that, that was another point I was going to bring up. I, I think that FAI succession plan, the longer I look at it, the worse it gets, if that makes yeah. sense, I think. It was, a, it was a JD leaving gift, I think. Okay. Um, well, look, I think it was... It was poor. Um, I would have... Like... I don't think there's anything wrong. Maybe governance-wise, it's poor. But saying to Kenny, just go get a job in League One. Go have the ability to coach, get a bit of a reputation, get more experience. Because a lot of his experience is in Ireland, like, isn't it? Yeah, I think he Scott, was Ireland, in Scotland, Scotland for yeah. a bit. Yeah. yeah, go to England, go to League One, get a job. If you get sacked, don't worry. And look, in two years' time, we'll earmark you. Do you know, like I think, I think you're dead right. I think Kenny suits club management more because the type of mm. style he's trying to bring in and and all that sort of stuff. It is a day to day, you know, mm. thing. Whereas he's getting these players for two and three days at a time, and then they're flying off home. Now, just to touch back on on what we said there about the whole succession plan and everything. For me, the perfect thing to do would have been leave Mick in for another, say it was a year or whatever you had to leave him in for, whatever the campaign might have been. Stephen was obviously unfortunate to lose out in the last campaign um, mm. but to Italy very very unfortunate it was a great side so let's recreate the Ireland B team I don't know if you even it was kind of them players that were in between let them go and do on international breaks you pick 40 players maybe split them into 20 and 20 and the, the B players your Troy Parrots your Gavin Bazunas your people like that will go and play you know a, 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 a third or fourth tiered nation in a, in a friendly game like what what's there to lose they could play the guitar game do you know what I mean like there's there's mm. nothing to lose there I, in me that w- for me that would have been perfect uh, planning like let's be honest Mick probably I'm looking at the group he probably would have got us a playoff out of it absolutely yeah now I, I just I mean, now people might not yeah. like watching it but look but do we get but do we care I don't like, think the so. last no like do we want to go like Ask any Irishman that went to, to Poznan and watched us get hammered in every single game. Did they really care? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Um, look, let's let's stop talking about because yeah. I I woke up sad this morning. Yeah. Um, probably the only way to say it. Um, yeah, look, I suppose we moving on. We have a series of debates. Um, the co the doctor had sent us in one, which we'll get to now, and then there's one after the break from the coach. And then we've won, obviously, that was voted on by you, the fans, on our social media. It's for the fans. So, without much further um, debate, I suppose. The debate sent in by the doctor. Should teams boycott the World Cup in Qatar, given the country's human rights violations, instead of these t-shirts? So... Thoughts? I've seen the t-shirts, um... The thing, it it it's a really really f- strange one, because obviously money plays a massive massive part here, and fans, as we've touched on in the last kind of segment there, we obviously want to get to World Cups and things like that. Are world are fans really gonna enjoy their time in Qatar if they were to go? Is my first question. I don't think so. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I don't think so. The reason I ask that is. 
are we more powerful as uh, as a world and a universe if the fans boycott as opposed to the teams? Because economics mm. still runs this this show. It's the wor- you'll find the World Cup final will still be one of the most watched events on TV. Yeah, but that, if yeah. fans don't attend, that's what I mean. No, I get that. Okay, but I like. Ideally speaking, like there's no good in Ireland and Luxembourg coming out and going. By the way, we're uh, boycotting the World Cup in Qatar. Oh, Jesus, I thought we already did. They're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, well, we have. <laughs> we have. No one knows about it, though. It's a silent protest. But like, and it's all well and good. Haaland wearing a t-shirt and asking Germany, but like, t-shirts don't change much. But like, big nations like Germany, Holland, England can turn around and say. We're not going. We're not going to Qatar. You know, and until those, like, until the people who are the main product in that, your big nations, your Spains, your Italy's, whatever, until they actually make a stand, it it doesn't make a difference, does it? Really. Like, Haaland's t-shirt would have been forgotten about by the early kickoff next Saturday. Yeah, it'll probably be raffled off, won't it, for a Qatari charity or, I don't know. Workers yeah. charity or something, but yeah, it's um, it, it it's a funny one because if you were going to boycott it, I'm sure they would have had to raise their concerns now before this weekend had happened, because you will end up with the qualifications played, teams qualified, but where what what happens then if if they were to boycott, like they just don't arrive. Yeah, or, or arguably it's the boycott should have taken place during the bidding process. Yes, yeah, yeah. Is where I would, like, if you read through the list of human rights violations in Qatar, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, they obviously still have the death penalty. The Qatari laws continue to discriminate basically anyone in the LGBT community. Um, and any act committed such as like being in a relationship is deemed unlawful. There is a number of nomadic tribes that have been issued a state of, or sorry, are deemed what's known as stateless, which means they're deprived of the rights to work, access healthcare and education, own property and move freely. Freely. So there's a number of native tribes that aren't permitted those basic human rights, and then we all kind of know the freedom of expression issues and the the women's rights issues. So. Qatar is a pretty backwards country for all its money. And look, is the bigger problem in, in this though? Like you know, we say Qatar, and Qatar is its culture. It is what it is. It's not right, but ultimately FIFA allowed them to bid. So presumably, the bigger problem here is the umbrella that we're standing under, or that Qatar we're standing under. <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's um, a sun umbrella. It's it's this yeah it's like when they refer to the Brooklyn Nets and their salary cap it's a it's a salary sombrero um yeah it's look obviously there's FIFA's uh, FIFA is though known for like good governance and no shady dealings and like would have a sterling reputation in the world of sports so obviously Qatar won this because it was the best bid on the table. And, but is there anything yeah. the players can do now to boycott FIFA as opposed to boycott Qatar? Because ultimately, they may not agree with what happens there and the cultures and, and what goes with it, but it's FIFA really at the root of the cause here. Like uh, It's 
FIFA, yeah. Like, I mean, is there anything they can if, do to? They can't. We've obviously seen during the summer that the trying to boycott the PlayStation game. A couple of the players. Um, how long? How far is that? Gone? Yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering, is there anything they can do? I don't know. Can they withdraw image rights or something? Um, on the World Cup, like these World Cup the only books thing, and stuff. The only thing an individual player can do is say, "I will not play for my country." In a Qatar World Cup. So if Haaland turns around and goes, I will not play for my country in the World Cup. Is he going to do that given the nation he's coming from? And the 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 lack of kind of World Cup appearances and stuff in their history? No. If Mbappe turns around and goes, I'm not going to play for my country. Um, Fine. Ali drew it up front. Like, the, the, the nations that I can actually impact this have to pull the whole squad because they have enough quality to put a side that can at least compete in the group stages of World Cup, mm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it would it would come from the individual FAs. It would come from the the FIFA themselves should have just knocked that debate on the head. Um, but it it like if it didn't happen during the bidding because. Like the bidding is the easiest one. You can you can take the bid in and you can say, "Oh, we've decided on France." Mm. You know, like a good attempt. Try again in a few years' time. Um, I think there's also like several workers' rights violations. I think 22 people have died so far building that stadium. 35. Just checked it. 35. And three are only work-related. So. Okay. Um, so the others, I don't know what they're relating to, but they've died. Yeah, look, it, it it it's a it's a World Cup. We'll enjoy it all immensely, and like a lot of well, look, no, we see the thing is, we say we'll enjoy it immensely, issues. but if you remember back to um, was it which World Cup was it? South Africa, where the teams are playing at altitude, and how not poor, but it was visibly, you know, the games were visibly slower and probably not as enjoyable. I think I think the issue with that World Cup was not the altitude. I think it was them. Vuvu's whalers, <laughs> whatever you call them, that were just going. Oh my god! Everyone had a migraine from the month of June that year, 2010, to Shabalala with the the best opening goal to World Cup I think ever. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I think I'd love to sit here and say, look, it's it's gonna, but it's not. It's just gonna go ahead. It's like every human rights violation. It's only a human rights violation when it's probably more profitable to acknowledge it than it is to ignore it. Um, yeah. Sad fact of life, unfortunately. But look, why don't we take a quick break, have a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll return for two more debates. Hey everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Busted Barcelona podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with our friends, The Square Ball, located just off Marion Square. Doing it rough at this moment in time with the pandemic, so make sure to give them a follow on Instagram, give them a like, give them a share, and hopefully someday soon we'll all be able to get back in for barbecue, pints, and sport. Hello and welcome back to the second half of episode 10, season 3 of the Busted Barstools podcast. We're in the middle of a few debates, but prior to getting into the, the, the next two debates, just a word of warning there is a currently a fan giveaway going on our instagram so basically comment two friends names like the post follow our friends usa sports on twitter 
there's a chance to win a free um sideline knit from the 2020 nfl season on their their website it's been a poor uptake so far so it's a great chance to win and the winner will be announced next week on episode 11 so coach your debate my debate sas is something that um i've been thinking about for a while um because governance tickles my fancy business tickles my fancy ownership tickles my fancy and dictatorship tickles my fancy so that's ticklish blow yeah very ticklish um <laughs> yeah so basically i've done a little bit of uh, not research but i was just I like the idea of the way the draft works. Um, I've kind of always thought would it work in Ireland, in maybe the League of Ireland, in Pro 14 rugby, things like that. So with that in mind, um, my debate starter this week is which league worldwide, which is the best league run, which is the best run league, I suppose, in the world is, is my debate st- uh, starter today. So... Um, yeah, which is the best run league in the world, in your opinion, Sass? Yeah, this is this. Is, I had opinions. Mm. Um, mine, by the way, in you got me looking. Yeah, mine, mine's changed three times today. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm something similar. I suppose I had a look at kind of figures and stuff, and I suppose when you say the key phrase in the question is run, because how do you quantify how well something is run? Like is if if you're looking at like the most profitable, we have answers for that. If you're looking at the most watch, we have answers for that. If you're looking at the most revenue per number of events, we have answers for that. But it's it's, it's yeah, this this threw me a lot. Like I suppose I looked at the, the top ten. The top eleven actually is what I picked out in terms of revenue. So heads and shoulders above the NFL is number one with eleven eleven billion revenue it makes a year. Mm. Then you have the Major League Baseball, the NBA, the Indian Premier League. Cricket? Cricket, yeah. The Premier League, the NHL, La Liga, Bundesliga, the UEFA Champions League, Serie A, and then I included the 11th because it was Formula 1. And I thought it was quite interesting because of those in the top 11, it's by a distance the fewest number of matches or events. So they only have 20, obviously, events. And it's approximately two billion that it brings in annually, which is, it's, it's interesting. But I suppose who was that? Apologies, but eleven, eleven went for me. The eleventh went for me. Um, repeat that one. Sorry, uh, F one. F one. Sorry, yeah, yeah. F one. Okay, yeah. I got all the background. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. They have twenty events a year, so yeah. so it's incredible. But yeah, um, but I suppose looking at it and considering it's only around since two thousand and eight, and it's currently grossing. I think seven million, just over seven million a year. The IPL, <laughs> it's got to be the best one year in twelve years. It's the it's gone from nothing to the fourth highest revenue league in the world. It's it's an incredible achievement. That, there's one you weren't expecting. Probably I wasn't expecting FPL, that with the IPL in terms of um, players. How well are they looked after, or do we know? I yeah I did a little I, have a, I, have a little, I went full blown I had a little nice. pivot table and Ooh. everything so bear me now I think most yeah obviously most profitable by match or event I I done that um a lot of motor sports NASCAR is third the NFL is second the uh, Formula One is first 
the IPL is actually quite low on a, a money per match of gate receipts and suppose television rights aren't too high but let me see where was that table I done up mm -mm -mm. yeah I did it on spread per team okay and it's not in the top 10 Okay. It falls out of the top 10 on that metric. Okay, so explain this to me. Now, explain the other this to me. Sass, explain it to me. Break it down for me. Why IPL? Why IPL? I just think in 12 years, mm -hmm. 13 years, to have grown from nothing to that, it's truly exceptional. Like, you look at the other ones, NFL is around over 100 years, Major League Baseball over 100 years, NBA over 100 years. The, right, the English Premier League, it's 92. Two? Yeah. 92, yeah. 92. But we, we've had first division football, NHL, something similar. La Liga, Bundesliga. You can argue the Champions League as well. I think the Champions League is 94, and that's just getting confused. Serie A and Formula One. They're all around in a long time. They're kind of all major competitions. They might have been rebranded. They might have changed from so like the old English first division to the Premiership, whatever. So established, we'll say. Established, established competitions. Um, they're probably the best. Like, and I, I don't I don't feel comfortable saying it. <laughs> but it probably is if you look at what it's achieved. Formula One is making strides again, obviously. But the level of affluence of the people involved in the sport, it's always gonna be well backed and it's always gonna be attractive to sponsors and Am I right? Would I don't I right think you get IPL I'm, I think I'm right. Company it's very similar to rugby in Japan in that companies own the teams. So for example, Mm. the Panasonic the Sun Kings, Kings or something and mm. yeah so the lesser players probably we don't know this and maybe you do but probably the the weaker players or the, the newer players probably work for the company in some capacity and I think that's how it works in Japan with the with rugby players uh, the IPL is a bit different the yeah. IPL brought in the specifically the, certain like playing. brought in stars from England yeah, brought in yeah, stars from Australia music, like, I think they brought in yeah. Brian a lot. Another thing I suppose I looked at as well is parity because I mean like you can just talk about financial aspect of a league and, and how important that is but I think parity is a huge part like I suppose you look at La Liga I, I did this on basically the number of different winners between 2020 to, sorry between 2000 and 2020 La Liga has four <laughs> do you know what I mean like it um as the Serie A, actually, to be fair, NFL 13, Major League Baseball 13, NBA 10. The IPL, around 2000, since 2008, it has six. Same as English Premier League, NHL 12. This, that's why, Bundesliga. yeah, and, and that's a little bit, what you're touching on there now is a little bit why I feel the American-run leagues are slightly better run in the fact. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with the money or how players looked after or anything like that, but for the neutral fan, teams change very very often of, of who wins they might win a year or two maybe three in a row but generally changes because of the draft system and because of the salary cap yeah system salary well. cap and draft because the weaker teams essentially the weaker teams get first pick on the, the upcoming talent you know to a long, yeah long story and, short, and like so. you, you still do have teams that are just horrifically run a la Detroit Lions a la historically I suppose Cleveland Browns and there's certain other NBA like mentions there that, that they'll never they will never still get there because the ownership is terrible but I suppose for fans they they know that like it's not here but in five years time we could be in the NBA finals we could be in the Super Bowl we could be in the Stanley Cup yeah. finals it keeps interest peaked it, 
Yeah. Now, the only thing I would say to counteract that, I suppose, is you would never have a team in the Premier League tanking, for example. Tanking, for those that don't follow American sports, is the act of purposefully losing. Or not losing, but throwing, not, not even throwing yeah. games. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of picking weaker sides and, and trying to get rid of all your good players. Let's call it developing. So naturally. Yes, but you're, you're, you're basically trying to get high draft picks the next year so you might start trading away some of your older more experienced players and playing a lot of your younger players mm. they're still trying to win because look these are competitive blokes and if you think about the NFL there's 30, if you're a quarterback there's 32 jobs in all of America in well in the world really if you want to be, be really uh, pedantic 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 I suppose is probably the word but and that, that could never happen in a Premier League or a sport with a relegation. There's pros and cons to the relegation side of things too as well. Um, you look at somewhere like the Six Nations, could badly do it a bit of a trapdoor at the present. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's it, it, it's what makes the Premier League special. It's what makes it probably the most watched sports league in the world. I think it's, it's broadcast in over 220 countries. It, it is the most viewed league in the world yeah well I'm going to take your IPL um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to raise you the NBA now I didn't want to pick uh, you know a, a top 5 sport as such I want I personally I wanted it to be to be honest with you I wanted it to be, it to be the MLS um, quite young similar to IPL not dissimilar in that they've come a long way in, in previous years I like the way the draft system I like the salary cap I like that it's kind of a level playing field year to year you would have seen LA Galaxy for example winning a lot with that David Beckham Robbie Keane Steven Gerrard era they've fallen I don't know maybe to 8th or ninth in their conference so I really wanted that to be it but the more research I did the more the NBA for me showed up to be probably one of if not the best or my, my pick for the best uh, or the most well run league organization league around so to give you an idea the nba front office like it's a well-oiled machine it's efficient it's effective and it it seems to always be moving forward with the, the nfl commissioner roger goodell um is it still roger goodell it's steve silver silver goodell, yeah. goodell is the nfl uh, sorry nfl I'm, I'm misreading my notes here Um what i meant to say is roger goodell is the nfl commissioner obviously um but when he's come up against um issues so we'll say take for example the washington redskins is the the one i remember most recently football team yeah yeah an an nfl team and so he's had issues like that like the domestic violence which is rife or seems to be rife in nfl could be may not be related to cte and things like that and lots of concussion issues which are probably gonna have um elongated issues in terms of uh, the law and cases and things like that you look at fifa and soccer um set bladder and all that went on there and then you flip that and you look at adam silver um and how he dealt with say the um donald sterling issue and things like that that was put to bed straight away dealt with efficiently and effectively um so really good and really well run from the the office side of things the administration side of things um financially i suppose i think i'd be right in saying that nba is probably one of the best franchises to be an athlete in um or mm. organizations maybe not franchise um so 
according here's a here's a stat for you. According to Forbes, the average NBA salary in 2016-2017 was 6.25 million. Um, so yeah, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, yeah, it's a soft cap as opposed to a hard mm-hmm. cap. Um, which, you pay, which basically means you pay luxury tax if you go over the suggested cap. Same as Major League Baseball, but very different to the NFL and other sports. Um, also, it's five men in the court at any one time, so every position is valuable. The one thing I would say about the NFL is, yet yeah, you're, you're on a winner. I just want to make this point yeah. in case it gets lost. In terms of a socially aware league, no one comes close. It's it's phenomenal. They have their finger on the pulse of society. They're very aware that the majority of the players are from an ethnic background. And whereas the NFL probably still is, for want of a better phrase, sometimes it's the old boys club. Yeah. And there is definitely undertones of that. Especially if you look at the states in America that, American football is a religion. Your Texas's, your your Carolinas. You can see how that happens. But the NBA, in terms of a league to have its finger on the pulse as to what general society is going through, it, it's it's unparalleled. Yeah, no, you're look. You've hit the nail on the head there. I suppose one of the things for me with the NBA that I really really like, if you look at association football we have the Ballon d'Or so it's one player rewarded if you're a top class defensive midfielder then it's highly likely you're not going to win the Ballon d'Or um, even a, def- a top class defender so attackers usually we know Messi, Ronaldo have you know they share them all between them if you're in the NFL you, you, you're an MVP more than likely you're a quarterback um, possibly a wide receiver very rarely that it changes from quarterback but in the NBA You've every single position has MVP, and and I think would it be right in saying it has multiple MVPs for for different positions, maybe two or three in, in some cases. Well, well, there's there's one overall MVP, there's a Finals MVP, there's and then you've got these things called first team, second team, third team. Yeah. So they they vote the number one team, as in like pick one player in each position, yeah. and that's first team, second team, third team, so on, etc. Et They've rookies of the years. The NFL does obviously have Defensive Player of the Year, offensive, offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year as well. But the NBA does tend to do a lot. Um, what I think the greatest tool as well of the NBA, and I know I'd said the the IPL, but when you say that, the more I think about it, yeah, look, the NBA is, is fantastically run. I was kind of more looking at numbers and what they've achieved in a short time. The NBA has come very much aware of the fact that if you look at the fixtures per competition, and that's something I was looking at regards revenue, the NBA would have 1,312 matches minimum a season. That's not maximum, that's minimum. That's dependent on seven game series. So, similar to the Major League Baseball, which is two and a half thousand games, it's incredibly hard for fans to follow a full 82 regular season game, season campaign. Like, it's diehards that are following that. But what they've really latched onto is this new age, and the NBA is the most followed league on TikTok, and the most followed league on Instagram, because they've clapped into this. They know what their sport is, and their sport is a highlight sport. It's a big dunk. It's, and that's how you draw the younger generations in. I, I tried to touch on this a few weeks back, 
um about marketing and stuff like that but um yeah, no, the, the, I kind of lost my train of You've time, segued perfectly, though, into my next point being it was actually to mention each team would have 110 competitive games a year. Now, personally, I think that's probably too many. If to, I suppose, to to value your, your viewing hours as such. So if you're an Irish 30-something-year-old and you want to follow the Boston Celtics, you're not going to watch every game of 110 games. So you're going to probably watch it close to the playoffs and then maybe the big games when they play cross-conference or conference toppers or whatever it might be. But the I suppose the infrastructure of the game in that it's end-to-end or it's back and forth. You're anticipating three-pointers or you know powerful, you know massive dunks or whatever it might be. It, it's it's that thrill, I suppose, um, of the game. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a highly skilled game. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there's no, there's no time to kind of relax... As a, as a basketball, you, you're always you may give a couple of points because you need a breather or whatever, but you know, it's um, it's tough tough sledding. Um, yeah, they are incredibly fit athletes as well. So, um, yeah, look, I, I suppose it's it's a difficult one to answer because I just literally don't know what you want to what metric you actually want to market on. If you're looking at revenues, the NFL. If you're looking at what they've achieved in a short span of time, it's probably the APL. If you're looking at someone who's got their finger on the pulse socially and is aware of the betterment of their players and player welfare it's it's the nba by a mile they also do a lot of outreach work to the community programs the nba carers program or i mean if you're looking at a profit per event game or event sport it's formula one hands down because it's only 20 events a year and how much they make but it is worth knowing some of the sports that threw themselves up from left field were phenomenal i think um the knife on professional baseball league in japan is worth one point one billion, so it's worth more than League One. I wouldn't have thought that before. Wow. Um, but look, why don't we happy to pause it there and then go on to our final debate for the evening? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, as many may be aware, we uh we put it to the fans this week. We said, uh, take your pick from these three debates. What debate would you like covered? And the one you've decided you want us to cover is. The greatest upset in sports history. What are your thoughts, Coach? Oh, have what's, I got an what's... upset for you? Um, All right. Uh, oh, how do we... Take your mind back to 2004. Are we, are we going to the greatest summer any country's ever had? We are. And we are going to George Clooney's most... Probably... I would say it's the summer that George Clooney got the most photo requests and autograph requests ever for not being George Clooney. I'm intrigued. Remember the Greek goalkeeper? I, I thought it was Greece. Euro <laughs> yeah, because that was the same summer they had the Olympics as well. Nikopakabalides, was it? The George Clooney lookalike in goals for Greece. Anyway, my upset, I did play around with a few... Um, I did play around with the thoughts of Leicester City winning the Premier League. That was a big upset. However, it was probably not so much of an upset for the neutral. Um, but yeah, Greece. So it was an incredible summer uh, for Greece. Euro 2004 in Portugal. They went and beat the hosts twice. Uh, in the first group stage game, they bet Portugal 2-1. Um, and then again in the final of the tournament they beat them 1-0 along the way beating uh, sorry getting a draw with Spain beating losing to Russia beating France beating the Czech Republic in extra time look it was 
it was. I don't think anyone saw it coming. It was one of those things. It was similar to the Leicester City story. Every hurdle they came to, it was well. Look, this is it. This is it. Um, no one went down to the green kicking a ball around the 2004. Um, you know, in the ripe old age of 12, 13, 14, 15, thinking they were, you know, a Greek. Georgie Samuels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, it's the one I've picked. Um, like, you, we're not going to, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Yeah. With the int- introduction I, I, of I, things like sports science and money and economics and World Cups in Qatar, I'm not sure we'll ever see the likes of it again. In in a footballing tournament, probably not. Um, I picked out I picked out an awful lot of these. I actually picked out I go through. I picked out four Irish only upsets. Oh, that only Irish fans would care about, um, or may or may not care about. So the first one is 2011, and a lot of people probably don't care about this. But the Tip Miners beating Dublin in the All Ireland minor, minor final. Why it's interesting is that minor team is potentially one of the greatest sides of just athletes you look at Colin O'Reardon who's gone to play in the AFL a number of his players have played the League of Ireland and played in the lower leagues of England a number of them are dual code athletes so they've played Horland and GA I thought that was a good one they played Tyrone I think the following year in under 20 might have been the semi-final or final and Tyrone kicked them off the park and I mean physically as opposed to football and wise and I think it turned a lot of their stomachs but it was a huge upset at the time the next one I've picked 1982 <sighs> All-Ireland final. Seamus Derby with that goal that made him famous and, as he would say, ruined his life to beat Kerry. Offaly won 15 to Kerry 17 points. Going down to Tomond, um, trying to fix some bridges after that. your comments last week about people in Limerick. Munster beating the All Blacks in 1978. Uh, a huge, huge upset of the time and unlikely to ever be repeated. And my final one, just given the week that's in it to kind of raise people's spirits a little bit. 1994, New York, Ireland won. Current World Cup champions, Italy, nil. Ray Houghton. Houghton, sorry. Please, Ray Houghton. Houghton. Jesus. So they're, they're my four kind of Irish-only ones, I just said, because you can't put them in, like, the greatest in sports history. But I thought, you know, I, I'll give the Irish public a bit of a, a raise after... After yesterday, um, I picked a few out. I I did have Greece twenty thousand four, Japan South Africa. Oh, you took. I was gonna say the miracle of Brighton. Huh? you just Brighton. nicked it. Um, I actually do think that Leicester one is underappreciated. It was five thousand one at the start of the season, mm. and I think when we think upsets, we think of a single fixture, and like Greece and York two thousand four to maintain that over a season. I know the powerhouses of the Premier League were all off that season. But if you look at the effect on that season as an upset, it yeah. probably has left Leicester where they are now. Where they're like generally considered a top half table team that can challenge. The other ones I picked, obviously, New York Giants beating the then undefeated Pats in the 2007 Super Bowl. Pats had gone into it 16-0 in the regular season, hadn't lost in the postseason, obviously. And the Giants were 10-6. Got a performance by Eli Manning. Only played two games, really, and that was the two Super Bowl victories he had against the Pats. And my final one, which if you're talking about an upset, as in off the cards, one-off victory, Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, so the odds in the fight was 42-1 to 1 in favour of Buster Douglas. 
He was just out of rehab, I think, at the time. He was an alcohol and substance abuse problem. I think he buried his murder the week before. At the time, Mike Tyson was undefeated and the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. That was a huge one that probably just happened before my real cognizance level in sport and stuff. So, it's probably... I don't know. It, it's a lot of a lot of people listening to the show would say, "Yeah, Buster Douglas knocking Mike Tyson out." It's it's definitely one that's it's talked about as like metaphors for life and stuff, and all these motivational videos on YouTube. You may you may struggle across. Times you um, get knocked out, you just get back up. That type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I struggle to put my name on one. How do you in your head? What is the measure? I, mean, I suppose that's something the fans could help us with a little bit, like. Do you measure on the odds that they were at the start? So as you said, Leicester City five thousand to one, and um, I think Greece were eighty to one for that for that Euros. Um, forty two to one you mentioned there. Uh, like, what 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 is the measure, or is it, you know, is is that the most fairest measure? Like I think, to be fair, if we're being honest, an upset probably has to be one, one fixture. And I think for that reason, Leicester and Greece, while there were upsets, it was coming. It was building. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like... They gained momentum as such. Yeah. Um, and they were almost... Do you know, sometimes, depending on what league sports you're watching and stuff like that, you'll almost just get a feeling for a side of it halfway through the season. That they're just champions of destiny is the phrase that's thrown around. But it's just their year. And Does it mean Leicester or, or Greece created that many upsets? Or does there become a point where if they win again, it wouldn't be an upset? Like, did it come to a point where, you know, Greece were going into the Croatia game going, well, if they win, it's not an upset anymore? <sighs> Similarly with, with Leicester, does it come to a point where, you know, they're playing second half of the season and they're playing a top four team it, and you're going, well, or a typically top like four what, team? What I would say is that Euro 2004... If I if I think back and bear in mind I was twelve, um, I recall all the real superpowers in Europe being off, and even that Portugal side, people look back and say, "Oh, did Ronaldo?" But it was a very young and unproven Ronaldo at that time, and it wasn't probably the strength of the Portugal sides we've seen since, if that makes sense. Figo was past his best. I was even involved. Um, I think he actually. I think he might have scored somewhere along that campaign. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, Germany, I understand. Germany were kind of going through a rebuild. As far as I can recall, France were actually really poor at that. And then rocked up in 2006 and no one was expecting to do anything. Yeah, and yeah it's... Um, yeah, I don't know what the fairest measure is. So if, if you look at it like that, yeah, you're probably looking at the longs of Tyson. You're looking at the likes of Japan... Japan under under an edgy Eddie Jones who was building like he, they were a serious side by the end of that uh, kind of that their stint. You look at what they did. You look you look at what they did to us in the World Cup. Mm. So yeah, um, yeah. I ju- I just don't know what I like an upset like. Like is is is, is Tyson losing a massive upset if he is coming back out of rehab? No, no. Buster Douglas coming Oh, sorry, right. sorry, yeah. Mike Tyson, at the time when it occurred, and this is the thing, is it, is it kind of an almost a recency bias in this? Like, Mike Tyson, at the end of his career, like, when I was researching over this, 
one that kept coming up was Muhammad Ali, then Cassius Clay, mm. knocking out Sonny Liston. Mm. But for me reading that, I was like, what are you on about? But at the time, he was a nobody. Yeah. Well, not a nobody, but there, it, there was no, it wasn't given a, a, a snowflake's chance in hell against Sonny Liston. So, recency bias definitely comes into it. Because of what Leicester are now, that season almost seems... It doesn't seem less spectacular. Yeah. Greece, Greece, Greece did nothing. Greece didn't excel then. Like, maybe Stalias Janikopoulos got a move to Bolton and Big Sam loved him for a few years, but I don't think... And Georgie Samaras got his move to Celtic. Yeah, I, gee, I really struggle with actually picking... One stand there. Like, if you went to America, it's that miracle on ice. It's the... The USA beating the USSR. The yeah. ice hockey fixture. Yeah, I suppose. Look, you can't you can't look past Ireland beating the All Blacks in Chicago. That was a massive one. You probably have to look. You have, probably have to frame it into sports, individual sports. So that is the rugby yeah. one. And the, the, so. the one thing, I, well, the one thing I'd say about Ireland beating the All Blacks, and it's it's a very cynical view, but the weight of the fixture has to yeah. factor into it, and that's that was just. It's a, well, it's not an international. It's a it's a friendly fixture. Mm. Um, probably Japan, South Africa. Given what we know about South Africa now, yeah, and yeah, I'd probably say Japan, South Africa it was huge. It was huge because n- the only other minnow that had really ever beaten anyone was probably Samoa beating Wales in Cardiff in the World Cup in nineteen nine. That was kind of a huge shock at the time, but. Samoa can just show up on the team and just just show up in the field and it was teams had just gone professional so the amateur players of this part of the world hadn't caught up to the size requirements yeah. that the Samoan athletes had mm. um, so that was less of a shock I'd probably say Japan South Africa actually if I had to yeah. oh, I'd, put I'd, my cap I'd, on I think it I'd, I'd agree with you in, but as you said the, 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 I suppose the more footballing or competition winning ones are more of a, a snowball Snowball effect. Mm. Um, so yeah, no. I'm not trying to discredit them or anything no, like that, no. but I think yeah, there's something about if you actually have a critical look at those wins, like I think Arsenal were second that year. Jeez, I don't know if we were much better than we are now. <laughs> and that's saying something <laughs> that year. Um, City were way off. Man United were well way off. Liverpool. I think that was maybe year one o'clock. Am I right in saying that? 2015-2016 year 1 o'clock and that team that he got given was puke Um, yeah I'm probably leaning South Africa Japan but like feel free to slate no I'm I'm there with you hit me up on Twitter hit me up on socials just call me out yeah fans if you if if you if you see something there let us know that we've missed but I'm I'm, at the moment I'm sorry I think it's a a, a Japan SA winner. Yeah, yeah, I think Speaking so. of winners, did you see Povetkin last night with Dillian White on the... I didn't, no, I watched... The Rock of Gibraltar. The, I think... The Ufka. I think there's probably a little bit um, of jealousy, I suppose, amongst my friends and, and pals anyway, that, you know, the whole adult population of Gibraltar is vaccinated. And... Were able to enjoy 
a live sports event again. Albeit tickets starting at two hundred ninety five pounds, I believe. Um, well, yeah, I I think that's the least of worries. The NRL and Australian sports have announced that as of Monday, which probably is now or will definitely will be when you hear this. Um, back to full attendance at all sport events. <sighs> full attendance, and the game this morning that was announced was Newcastle West Tigers. They that was capped at twenty thousand. Wow. Yeah, and those tickets they don't go expensive. They're thirty, forty Australian dollars. Yeah. Yeah, those those friends that left in January of twenty twenty, <laughs> and you kind of laugh, not laugh them, but you're like. She's a bit of a disaster going to Australia now, isn't it? And they are absolutely laughing at us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you come home. Yeah, um, I hope they enjoy their then, stay in the Crown Plaza when they arrive. Well, judging by the news, it's pretty easy to go in the bunker. <laughs> um, they've only caught one of the three escapees. So look, what can we do? On next um, week's episode, have you found the escapee? <laughs> <laughs> We'll give out a prize if you can find the two escapees that haven't been caught yet. Um, anyway, he's been a coach. I've been the Sasquatch. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode 10, season 3. Make sure to give us follow, like, subscribe, and a review wherever you find this podcast. It helps us immensely. And by the way, check out our social media and get your name in the, the giveaway because um, it's low odds at the minute. Thank you.